Last week, we ended on a note of being called to walk in truth and a reliance upon God. To walk in truth. And today we're going to look a bit at that walk. How do we walk in truth, but also dealing with the opposite of truth, which is lies and deception. And, and these are things that are probably on all of our minds these days. We've heard of, for many years, fake news, right? And then we've got now, we've got misinformation. You, you, uh, in fact, it's, it's funny, half of the things I see on Facebook, Facebook adds little tags of, uh, click here for, for the right information, you know, or, or click here to know what's right or wrong kind of a thing. And uh, we hear a lot of things about misinformation. But none of this is new. In fact, I've actually found on YouTube, my, my uh, dad, I think it was, told me about uh, these videos that were made uh, back in the 70s. And they showed how uh, actors doing the same exact thing, but dependent upon the um, camera angles, could be shown to either support one side of an issue or in the other. So they had, they had video of demonstrators clashing with police. And this was staged. They were all actors. But they filmed it one way, and then they turned around and filmed it another way. And then they made both videos as a news report. And depending on how they filmed it and what they said, either it looked like police brutality or it looked like a mob, and the police were merely trying to hold them back. And the point of that exercise was to tell us and to let us know that what we see is dependent upon how it is framed. For instance, if you've ever seen a picture, and I, I should have thought of this earlier, I could have posted it, but there were pictures back you know, years ago of Palestinian kids throwing rocks at uh, Israeli soldiers. And, and, and it was in the news, in, in, in framed in the news as this skirmish, this battle, and the, 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 the police are attacking these children, and the children are throwing rocks. And if you just saw the picture and read the article, you would be like, oh my, I can't believe it. But if you stop for just a second, and forget that you're not looking at it from God's eye, but that somebody with a camera took the picture you're looking at. Then you realize somebody with a camera had his back to the officers, the soldiers, and was taking a picture of the children face on, throwing rocks at the soldiers. And then you start to realize it couldn't have been too dangerous if that photographer was right in the middle of it all. You know, it reminds me, a similar thing happened at the end of the movie Bowling for Columbine. Remember, Bowling for Columbine was probably the most famous documentary, uh, received an Academy Award. At the very end, there's a scene where um, Charlton Heston is walking away from the, the creator of Bowling for Columbine, Michael Moore. And, and Michael Moore holds up a picture and says, what, what would you say to this little girl that was shot and killed by a gun? What would you say to her? And, and uh, Charlton Heston is seen to just, you know, I'm not going to answer you. I've got no time for you. As he walks away. 
And in the moment, it, it's, it's so, wow, I can't believe this is going on. But when you stop and realize that when Michael Moore is talking about what do you say about this girl, the camera angle is coming up at him from uh, Charlton Heston's viewpoint. This is something that we normally experience in movies, right? Change of perspective. But when you stop and realize that all the scenes that had Charlton Heston in them were from over Michael Moore's back, and there was no cameraman down there, you didn't see the cameraman, then you realize he was cutting in two different scenes. He was cutting in things that did not happen at the same time to make it look a certain way. To us as the viewer, the first time I watched it, I remember thinking, wow, I can't believe it. And you know, it was right. I shouldn't have believed it because it was a lie. How much in our lives today is a lie? How much of what we see? We have it recently with the pictures of border, uh, border agents on horses, right? Using whips. Oh, except when we see a camera angle from the other side, you notice that he's holding a rein and he's reaching out and trying to grab a person who, by the way, is in Texas illegally, is not from any country that borders Texas, and is running away and not obeying. I don't know about you, but I am fully aware of the fact that I, as a 44-year-old white man in America, if I do not obey a cop, if I try to run away, it is not going to go well for me. I am very cognizant of this. It will not go well for me. I do not have some kind of ability just to do what I please because I got the special skin. No. They will manhandle me. They will throw me to the ground if I do not obey. There is nothing sinister going on, and yet we're told this is something sinister. We're told all sorts of things. And I just stop and wonder, do you realize how much of our everyday interaction, every thought, everything you read or hear through the news, it's all deceptive. It cannot help but be deceptive. And it is a struggle for us to figure out what is the truth. And, and that goes both ways. You know, you can have the lies coming through one angle and then people are like, oh, well, I, I had it happen to me recently where somebody said, oh, well, you're not listening to, and I forget what website they told me. Uh, but I remember thinking, I've never heard of the name of that website. I don't know if I would trust it. You know, just, I don't know about that. It comes from all angles. And we are susceptible to it. What do we do about it? How do we live if there are these truths, or, or excuse me, these lies in the world? And, and what I want to argue for you today, or show you, not argue really, I'm an argumentative guy, I guess. What I want to show you, though, and hope to convince you of, is that our world, which likes to promote truth, you know, they like to, the newspapers, they want you to think, we're telling you the truth. The the news stations, they want you to think we're telling you the truth. Every time the president's press secretary gets up there, and it just so happens the last two have both been female, they both, you know, they all want you to believe I'm telling you the truth. And yet, our world in truth rejects truth at every turn and deals in lies. And if we're honest with ourselves, we probably do too. Let's look at Romans chapter 1. 
We're gonna, this is where I'm coming from my, my position here. Is Romans chapter 1. If you go to uh, verse 18 with me there. I'm going to read from uh, 18 through 25. Paul in writing, and he's, he's introducing his ideas to the Romans, and he's never been with them, and he's, he's, he's telling them, and he's setting up his arguments for the next few chapters about, about the, the Jewish people and the Gentiles having no um, way out of being excused for not knowing who God is and not obeying Him and not following Him. He says in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. He's saying that within every human being, there is knowledge of God. That God has placed that there and that it is evident to them. We all know it to be true at a base level. You, you know certain things are true. And he says, this is something that God has done. He has made known up about Him and it is evident within us for God made it evident. And then verse 20, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. All you got to do is look around and you see evidence of God. I, I'm one of my favorite science teachers was a physics teacher in college, and he was a Christian, and he had been a, a Marine, and he'd worked in artillery, and so he, he joked about how he loved artillery, because it was, it was just watching physics in action, <laughs> sending rounds down range. And can you believe it, at a, at a secular state school, talking about physics and how things work together, he would stop and say, isn't God amazing? And then he'd continue. That was the 90s. You could still get away with things like that. Maybe he had tenure and he didn't care. But he'd turn around and he'd say, look at this. Isn't God amazing? All of his science, all of his physics, he felt pointed to God and proved God. And that's what he is saying. It has been understood. God has been understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though, in verse 21, for even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in their lusts of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. We have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. You, you can go all the way back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3, and see how that happened. The truth of God was, do not eat of this tree, for when the day you eat of it, you will die. The lie was, you will surely not die. God's trying to keep something from you. God is 
holding on to something, then he knows that if you ate it, you would be like him. You would be like God. You will surely not die. That was the lie. And the man and the woman exchanged the truth of God for a lie when they actively took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and ate of its fruit. And their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. They knew that they had sinned. They knew that they were exposed now. And that same lie has been told to us ever since. And we tell it to ourselves. Even the, you can be like God. You can be like God. How many, how many scientists have created something new, whether it be uh, the atomic bomb or uh, some other invention and felt just a little bit, I'm a God. Maybe they didn't say it, but they sure did act it. We can be like God. We can create what we want to create. We can control what we want to control. And it is a lie. We've exchanged the truth of God for a lie is what Paul says. And here's the thing, you know, God is the truth. He is the truth. We see that, we sang about it. He is the way, the truth, the life. Jesus says, I am the truth. Everybody who is of the truth comes to me. Paul throughout this is saying that God is true, that He has given us the truth, that the truth of Him is known, and yet we have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. We have rejected Him. We know that Paul said to the Ephesians last week, we saw that we were formerly of the darkness. Now we are of the light. We were part of the darkness. Every one of us, at some point in our lives, we lived in rejection against God, in, in uh, rebellion against Him. We have rejected Him as People. What happens when you reject the truth? What happens when you reject a biblical understanding of the world? What happens when you reject the Creator and you're left with nothing but what has been created to worship and to praise and to work with? If we reject the truth, all we are left with are lies. Have you ever thought about that? That if you reject the truth, all you are left with are lies. Truth hurts, and so we lie. Truth can be uncomfortable, and so we fib a little. It's a white lie. But if we reject the truth, all we're left with are lies. If we reject the truth, then what do we have? Nothing. I know people like this, that they are so adamant in their, in their rebellion and rejection of God that, that they will believe any number of other things that are ridiculous on their face. And I think, how can they believe these things? Well, they've already rejected the truth. All that they have left are lies. And, and they're going to make the lies true in their minds. And this is, this is what we have done. This is what... Paul is saying here that we've rejected the truth for a lie. In, in verse 22, he says, professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. 
Now, I'm not saying that the painting on the Sistine Chapel ceiling is the truth of how God created, but it's standing in place for the fact that as a world and as a country and as a people, we have generally and, and traditionally believed God created. And yet, in, in just the last hundred years, this image has taken over in the minds of our society. That, that, that God did not create man uniquely in His image, but know that man has just evolved out of other creatures. And, and this is held up as truth. This idea is taught in our schools, must be acknowledged as true in our schools. If you want to get a passing grade, you can believe something else, but you've got to write it when you're in class. It dominates our scientists. We have no need for God. We will figure it all out. We are going to worship those made in our own image. And I, I love that verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. How many people today profess to be wise? How many people out there will listen to me? I'm an expert, right? Just in our own midst, how many of you profess to be wise? Nobody can tell you anything. You don't have to raise your hand. You can just acknowledge it in your heart. Oh, wow, that hurts. That sounds like me. When we profess to be wise, when we think we're so great, when we think we know so much, we become fools. We're really foolish when we think we are smart and good on, about everything. We're hot stuff. No, probably that means we're foolish. we got to be careful about that. We become foolish and we... we, we we exchange the glory. I mean, just think of that, how glorious and wonderful God is. The idea of the being created in His image. The Bible doesn't say that about other creatures. It just said, let the earth uh, bring forth, let the, the waters teem, let the sky, let there be birds filling it. We don't know how God created them. May, they might have been created out of the soil too. We don't know. But we know how He created man. He formed him out of the clay out of the dust of the earth. He breathed life into him. And even better than man, we know how he created woman. He made the man sleep and he took out of his side and he fashioned. Oh, what a good word. He fashioned a helper suitable for him. Where does the Bible say that about anything? You know, dog is a man's best friend. The Bible never says God fashioned the dog. But he fashioned woman as a helpful, helper suitable for him and brought her to him. And that which was originally one flesh now through marriage becomes yet again one flesh. And we have taken that and thrown it all away as a society, as a people. Instead of the glory of God and being made in His image, we're just a, we're just a mistake. We're just a chance in, in a billion. That it just so happened that people became, after life began, after so many different creatures evolved into one another. Even though there's no evidence, no proof, it is held up as truth. And, and of the truth, what do we do with the truth as a society? Well, let's, let's see. What has happened with, with uh, those that would stand up and say something that the government disagrees with this past year? We are a country, I remember as a kid, 
watching people burn the American flag and be told, being told that was freedom of speech. And we all had to sit by and watch them do it because that was how we defended the freedom of speech. And the same people that were in favor of burning the flags now, when you have a doctor who actually works with patients who stands up and says, I disagree with the official position of our government, they are silenced. They are deplatformed. They may even lose their license in this day and age because they dare speak. It's not just that we as a country and as a culture and the world as is uh, lives in lies, but we actively, the world actively suppresses the truth. That's why we don't know firmly where the COVID-19 came from. Did it come out of a, a, a laboratory in Wuhan? We don't know. Why do we not know? Because China suppresses the truth, because the World Health Organization suppresses the truth, because the scientists in America who funded it suppress the truth. We suppress the truth. What really happened in anything? Just, just name it. What really happened? What really happened on January 6th? What really happened you know, in the elections in November? What really happened in the elections in 2016? What really happened in Vietnam in this place or that place? What really happened in Iraq? What really happened just in the last couple of months in Afghanistan? The truth is, we don't know. The truth is, because everybody who's a witness is seeing it from a different angle and they have their own filter that they see things through and they speak things through. We actively suppress the truth. We see this in, in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We suppress the truth. We don't proclaim it. We suppress it. We try to keep it down. And, and, and it's easy to, to get angry at the government. and It's easy to get angry at the, the media. Hey, this happens in churches. We suppress the truth. How else do you have countless uh, abuse stories within the church? Within the Catholic church, oh, we were living high as Baptists when the Catholic church was going through it, weren't we? What happened? They kept moving the priests around. They kept telling the kids to be quiet. They kept telling the parents to be quiet. They suppressed the truth. They didn't want people to know. And then we find out the same thing has been happening in Baptist churches all along. A child comes forward and says to somebody that this, this Sunday school teacher or this pastor did something wrong with them. An adult can come forward and say, this person did something wrong with me. I went to them for counseling. And what does the church do? Overwhelmingly, the majority of churches in the Southern Baptist Convention let that pastor resign quietly, go on to another church, Tell the person, you know, you need to forgive your abuser and, and be quiet. And we, don't wanna, we don't want gossip and we don't want to talk about things openly. Let's just take care of it in-house. And, and so they break the law by not reporting it, which is required by law. If a person comes to me and tells me about abuse, it doesn't matter when it happened, it doesn't matter who it happened to, 
I am required as a pastor to call the cops. It is not my job to find out if they're telling me the truth. It's my job to call the cops. And over and over and over again, pastors don't do that. Church deacons don't do that. Church leaders don't do that. Instead, they suppress the truth, they, they get rid of the problem they think, and they try to sweep it all under the rug. But of course, we know that God brings everything to the light. And so it's blowing up in our faces today, and many people question, how would anybody be a member of a church in the Southern Baptist Convention today? Because of these things. Even in churches. And it doesn't have to be uh, abuse of children. I, there are plenty of churches. Large churches often have a great abuse of staff members, and it's just harsh working environments and the way they treat them. And, and we all think because we're in church, it's all safe and we're okay. And yet, horrible things are going on. So we, we need to remember that as I'm, as I'm railing on the world, a lot of times we're operating in the same way in the church. That churches suppress the truth. Have you ever been really angry with your spouse and walk through the doors and the smile comes on and somebody says, how are you doing? You say, oh, great. Guess what? You just suppressed the truth. Because the truth was, as you were walking in, that you were angry. That you'd had a fight with your one flesh. But we suppress the truth. And we lie. And we do that because we are, as, as Paul told the Ephesians, we're of the darkness. We came into the light. We're children of the light now, but it's hard to shed all that living in the darkness, isn't it? When you've learned and you've lived because we are fallen creatures, even though we're redeemed by Christ, we are still struggling with sin. And lying has been our way of living. I love that Mark Twain said, somebody had asked him what his first lie was. And he said, You'd be better off asking me what my first truth was. I have been lying since I first drew breath. I had to learn to tell the truth. Isn't that the truth? Lying is the way we work as fallen creatures in the world. We've believed the lie. We've rejected the truth. We actively suppress the truth. We don't want people to know. We, we hide it. Even in the church. Not only that, but I would say, you know, you probably lie to yourself 90% of the time during the day. You ever look in the mirror and say, ooh, I'm getting fat and ugly. Well, that's not the truth of made in God's image. You ever sit around and have somebody treat you bad and you think, ah, nobody likes me. Well, that's a lie. There's like 7 billion people in this world. I'm sure one of them likes you. If nothing else, though, God does. God loves us. And yet we can lie to ourselves. We can tell ourselves what's wrong with us instead of focusing on what God has made right about us. How do we, if, 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 if the world works in lies, if we suppress the truth, if we ourselves often suppress the truth and live in lies, how do we get through it? How do we walk in the truth if it's so easy to lie all the time. I, I would like to suggest uh, there's a, the Baptist Faith and Message, 1963, and uh, in, in the blurb about the Scriptures, what Baptists generally believe about Scriptures. Back in 1963, they had this phrase, 
They took it out in 2000. It's one of the reasons why there was a split in the state of Texas between uh, Southern Baptists. Because this is one of the things that was taken out. The criterion by which the Bible is to be interpreted is Jesus Christ. This was something I had not grown up with. I remember hearing about it and thinking, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's why when I was looking as a pastor to what churches to apply to, most people aren't looking at, well, is this church a 2,000 or a 63? Uh, But egghead pastors do that. And they say, well, I, I could pastor a church of the 63 people, Probably couldn't pastor a church of the 2,000 people. So I better look in the state of Texas. I can look for the 63ers. And that's what we are as a church. We, we subscribe to the uh, Baptist Faith and Message, 1963. And one of the things it says is that the criterion by which the Bible is interpreted is Jesus Christ. And what that means is no matter where you are in the Bible, as you're interpreting it, as you're trying to understand it, you read it as a New Testament believer through the lens of Jesus Christ. So as we're dealing with Noah and the flood, how does does Jesus in my life impact how I read that passage? How do I understand it? Basing not just on that time frame, I mean, I understand it within its time frame and in its writing and all that, but also how does it apply to Jesus? And how does Jesus apply to it? And when I'm looking at something and I'm reading in Paul and in Romans or in some other letter that he has written, and he writes something that is difficult or maybe even seems to conflict with something that Jesus said, I don't understand Jesus through Paul. I understand Paul through Jesus. That I make Paul's writings agree with Jesus. I don't make Jesus agree with Paul. Does that make sense? And I think the same thing can be true in our lives. That we need to read the world through the lens of Jesus Christ. That as we're watching the news, as we're reading articles, the criterion by which we should operate in the world is through Jesus Christ. The lens that we see and that we read and we understand should be through Jesus Christ. So as I'm reading about things that are going on, I've got to be asking myself, well, you know, is this lining up with the truth of the Scriptures? Is this lining up with the truth of the Gospel? If it's not, well, how do I, how do I understand this in light of the fact that God has sent Jesus Christ to the earth? So, for instance, reading about uh, things going on in other countries, and you might get angry at people in other countries that are hurting their fellow man. Well, if I start thinking about that situation in light of the gospel, then it's not just about one person's actions against another, but their need for a Savior too. And now my righteous judgment needs to be tempered with a desire that they would be saved. We read the world through the lens of Jesus Christ. I think Paul agrees with that. If you skip before our passage in verse 16, He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's us mostly, unless you're Jewish. We're the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Now, when we began, we began with for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. The answer to the wrath of God that is being revealed against all ungodliness is in verse 17. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith in the Gospel. So as we look at the world, as we look at our own struggles for, for telling the truth and not suppressing it, and not telling a lie because we don't want people to know what's really going on in our lives or what's really happening, we live life and we see the world and we read the world through the lens of Jesus Christ and even ourselves through the Gospel. And beyond that, I would say we hold on to the Gospel. That how do we walk in the truth when we're not sure what the truth is out there? We know about the truth of Jesus, but the truth in a situation, how do we understand it? How do we know it? Well, we may never know the truth. One of the things I, I, I hated about being an insurance adjuster before I went off to seminary was I talked to two or three different people about an accident, and each one had a different perspective. And I'd have to try to piece together a picture of what happened from their stories. The truth is, it probably was never the truth. Not really what happened. Oftentimes, we really don't know what happened. You know, if two people break up and get divorced, we really don't know what happened. We might know this part, we might know that part, we might, but everything that happened... They probably don't know everything themselves. So what do we do in that case? The righteous man shall live by faith. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And I think ultimately that's the answer. As we're dealing with all these lies in the world and lies in ourselves, it can't be, well, I'm just going to be as truthful as possible. I mean, that's a good start, but it's not going to work because we're going to be lying. Ultimately, we rely upon the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The righteous man shall live by faith. Whereas the world lives by lies and suppressing the truth, we live by faith. We trust God to save and to judge. That faith is trusting in Him. To trust God that He will save me. Trust God that that He will bring about righteousness Trust God that that truth will win out. And also that He will judge. His wrath is being revealed just as His righteousness is being revealed. The Gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's there for everyone who deals and walks and lies to believe. It's the power of salvation to save us from our lies, to save us from that way of living. And ultimately, we don't have to worry about making other people pay for their lies. We can trust God. If we trust Him to save us, we trust Him to save others, we can trust Him to judge righteously the dishonest lies that are out there. Ultimately, I think that's what we need in life, to trust God more than ourselves even. That's faith. Faith is saying, what I see, I don't believe. What God has proclaimed, this I believe. That's faith. And that's how we get closer to the truth. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we walk and, and live among, as, as Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. We are, we are liars and we live among liars. We can't help it. We know no other way. And yet You have shown us a better way. You have taught us the truth through Jesus Christ and You have called us to be children of truth. Children of light. And so Father, we pray that You would help us to be honest and wise in our honesty and to share the truth and to be able to tell when we're hearing a lie and when we're hearing the truth. Lord, help us to recognize that the, the powers of the world and the way that the world operates, though many people who have rejected You, who do not believe that You are the Creator, that do not believe in Jesus Christ, if they have rejected the Son, they've rejected the Father. And if they've rejected You, then all they are left with are lies. Lord, help us not to be swayed by them, to go off in their ways, but to trust in You. To live by faith. Father, we pray for anyone here today who has not believed in Jesus, that is living in the lie that they're okay, that they can do it on their own maybe. Maybe living in the lie that, that nothing really matters after this life, that there's nothing else. Father, we pray that You would break through to their hearts and their minds with the truth that You are the Creator, that You have sent Your Son to die on the cross for their sins and that You call them to be children of light, to believe in the truth of Jesus Christ. Lord, we know that they need You desperately, as we need You every day in our lives to guide us in Your ways. In truth, we pray and ask that You would do it. In Jesus' name, Amen.